Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the content creators and should not be assumed to reflect product endorsements or the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Welcome to Sports Roundtable, everybody. I am Bob Branco, and this is episode 325, dated Monday, February 5th, 2024. We have a lot to talk about today, and we also have a returning guest on our program. But before we get to all that, let me do some house cleaning, as they say. Let me introduce the panel members that we have so far. Peter Alchil. Hello from Coos Bay, Oregon, where it's dreary, uh, chilly, raw, nasty, but not pouring rain. So I guess we should be blessed. Well, the sun has finally surfaced here in southern new england it's been a while over the weekend we said what's that thing in the sky we haven't seen it in a long time but it's back with us okay uh michael garrett well welcome everybody from a partly sunny 64 degree missouri city texas don wardlow hi there from jersey where it's cold but it's finally decided to quit raining thank god okay i've don't know where Luther King is. I'm sure when he arrives, he will let us know. So hopefully he'll be here shortly. I want to thank those people who make it possible for Sports Roundtable to be made available. Tom and Lynn from Rosie's Place, thank you for posting our shows on your chat boards. Also to our media outlets, thank you for airing us when you do. Raymond Gay, our executive editor and producer. Thank you for making our show a quality program to distribute. And, of course, Jacqueline Sylvia, our website designer. Thank you for archiving our shows on my website. All you have to do to find them is go to www.brancoevents.com. Arrow down until you get to Sports Roundtable podcasts. Click on them, and you will see all of our archived programs from latest to earliest. Merci, Jackie. Now, I'm trying to figure out, is Brad or Natalie our host for today? Your host, Danette. Danette. Are you yes. Danette? Yes, I am. Then let me personally thank you for taking the time to join us and to help us out this afternoon. We appreciate it. Thank you. Back with us, an old friend of ours from ESPN Radio, Mr. Mark Kestacher. Mark, welcome back to Sports Roundtable. Bob, my third time. Looking forward to it. Danette, everybody else, thanks for having me on. Good to be with you. Hope you can hear me okay from I, I can hear beautiful you just... New Haven County, Connecticut. Yep, loud and clear. Loud and clear, Mark. Before we continue, I have a comment to make about the New York Knicks. Ah. I, need to, I need to put this all in perspective. The New York Knicks are knocking on the door of second place, guys, in the Eastern Conference. They're better <laughs> than Philadelphia. They're better than Miami. They're better than Cleveland. They are right there. I know they lost to the Lakers, but they won nine in a row before that. I think they're for real all of a sudden. How is this possible? If I knew the Mission Impossible theme, I'd be humming it right now. In stereo, we're available. Mark, what do you have to say about that? Well, the interesting thing is, and we were down there this weekend, so perfect timing, um, is that they're not even close to 100%. You know, they don't know when they're getting Julius Randle back. You know, they're a couple weeks away from reevaluating that shoulder and hoping it doesn't need surgery. OG Ananobi hasn't played in a week with a 
sore elbow, but they're playing defense, guys. Uh, look, they, they didn't have a great fourth quarter and lost the game that we were calling on Saturday night, but Jalen Brunson's been otherworldly. He's hit another level. He's got an extreme confidence. Uh, Dante DiVincenzo is an under-the-radar signing, and he's had a green light with all those guys out. But the the main thing is they defend. They, they, they play Tom Thibodeau basketball. They defend, and it's been a great stretch, and people have been starving for the Knicks to be, to be good. And as quiet as Madison Square Garden was at the end of the game, I mean, that was a Saturday, 8.30, that was about as loud as I remember the Garden being in a long time. So uh, kudos to the Knicks, and hopefully it's got some staying power. Yeah, for real. Well, Mark, Mark it, it, uh, two questions about the Knicks. So is Jalen Bronson, is, is he the, the, the linchpin that, that brought everybody up? And do you think when they get 100% with, with Randall and those guys coming back, they'll be even that much better? I think so. I mean, at first, Brunson was a great compliment to Randall, who's a 25, 9, and 5 guy. And now Brunson has shifted into that lead score. He's uncanny because, you know, he's he's 6'1", but has the best floater in the NBA, at least, you know, those who track those kind of things. He's able to get inside with the tallest guys on in the NBA and just kind of lift that ball way over those outstretched arms, and he's just really good at it. Great footwork. I think the OG Ananobi signing kind of unlocked everything. Um, you know, I know some people were unhappy to see R.J. Barrett go, but just to have a defender of his quality and – They got um, Precious Achua in that deal too. They got Precious Achua and and the guy uh, Isaiah Hartenstein, who no one talks about, and, and Mitchell center. Robinson has been gone since December, and we don't know when he's coming back. So I, I think the hallmark is D. I think Cleveland has played well, but we don't know what they're going to end up being. Uh, the Embiid injury certainly hurts Philadelphia's chances. And Milwaukee's some, flawed. Yeah, I was going to say, and for some reason, Milwaukee, you know, with the coaching change, maybe they'll get it together over the All Star break. But the larger point is. Yeah, Boston won, maybe the Knicks too. Who knows? They're good enough with all those teams we just talked about. Mm -hmm. And as far as the Knicks losing to the Lakers, guess what? The Celtics lost to the Lakers too, and they're (laughs) 38-12. You know, it's called any given day. That was unexpected. We were there Thursday also. We learned there was no LeBron and no AD. I'm like, why are we here? They're going to lose by 50. And DJ Calissimo, in his great wisdom, is like, sometimes the other teams – just takes its foot off the gas when they see, oh, who are we playing without these guys? And uh, Boston was not very good on Thursday. Well, it's funny you should mention that because, you know, Boston's only lost three home games all season, and they just happened to be against Denver, the Clippers, and the Lakers. Yeah, that's right. You know, Denver's three perennial Denver. Western Division teams, although the Lakers need to prove something to me. They bit. do. They, you know, do. they, they really they, do. They've got a long way to go. I mean, you look at where they were coming into Boston – teetering i've never seen darvin ham look as i don't know how to best describe it i said twisted because he's so easygoing and he just seemed not nervous i couldn't find the right adjective there was something about him that was off and i think he realized we're up against it without our two all-stars and we're in boston where they're the best team in the league and we got to go to the knicks where they've won nine straight and then you know 72 hours later they got two wins and they close out the road trip in Charlotte tonight. 
I only have yeah. two more questions before I throw it out to the panelists. I know everybody wants to ask you questions, Mark, and they should. But there are two other things on my mind right now before I get to football where we're going to find out who should win the Super Bowl, the Chiefs, uh, the uh, 49ers, or Taylor Swift. <laughs> so anyway, um, the Memphis Grizzlies, what a pathetic team they are right now, Mark. I mean, I wish Luther was here. The Memphis Grizzlies, half the guy, there are more guys hurt than played last night against the Celtics. What a pathetic team. I know. It's really sad because think about where they were. You know, how far they'd come, how well they drafted, how well that team was crafted on a coach that nobody knew about in Taylor Jenkins. And then all of a sudden, you know, between John Moran and his issues last year, um, you know, maybe addition by subtraction, sending Dylan Brooks away, and then all the injuries. I think I read, I was, you know, coming back home last night and I wasn't really locked into NBA, but I think I read they were down 13 like 13 of their regulars were down. They had emergency 10-day guys. and They had two 10-day guys on their roster of only eight. So six out of the eight are regular yeah. Memphis Grizzlies. And they were in Boston, which didn't help. And the Celtics were mad coming off the loss to the Lakers. Beat so, them by 40. Yeah, that was, uh, that was a little bit ugly. It's unfortunate because, like we said, they were positioned to be, you know, a Western Conference, I don't want to say power, but certainly contender for many years. And they just can't get out of their way this season, you know, with Morant coming back from the suspension to start the year and then gone and all the other injuries. It's it's unfortunate. They are a mess, uh, a big mess, and, and won't be a factor in the West this year. Sure. And my final question before I turn it over to everybody else, what do you think the return of Theo Epstein means to the Red Sox? Well, that's a good question because I haven't given baseball a lot of thought. But when I saw that headline – um, look, everything that man touches generally turns to gold, right? And I know he's there as he's there as a minority owner. I get that he's not the GM, right? You but know, maybe just by proxy, maybe him just being in the neighborhood will be good things. Because I was in a Uber in Boston on Thursday before the Celtics game, and uh, there was you know so much pride in what the Celtics are doing and what the Bruins are doing, and. You know, then the Uber driver said something about, well, you know, the Patriots were kind of at a low point now. And I said, how come the fourth team we're talking about is the Red Sox? That never happens in Boston. So clearly they're kind of off the radar at the moment. And maybe Theo Epstein can uh, somehow, by proxy, uh, I don't know who really made any moves in the AL East, uh, you know, this year. When you look at all the big movement that was going on, which is odd. I'd say maybe the Orioles might have had the better of the offseason. They traded for Corbin Burns. Yeah, and, and they're young and they're positioned. Um, and they're you know, selling. They're selling and the Yankees and the, and the Yankees and the Red Sox are the two teams that are like of the five in the division that worry me the most because Tampa, whatever they do, always ends up being good. And Toronto is a good young ball club as well. And, and we saw what the Orioles did last year. So uh, maybe Theo helps out those Red Sox fans out there. All right. Mark, I, I wanted to go back to the Knicks for a second because um, as a – uh, Knicks fan, and I'm one of these long-suffering Knicks fans, which is why I make snarky comments about the Knicks all the time. But what worries me about the Knicks, uh, Thibodeau is, of course, a terrific coach, but they seem to be playing sort of playoff basketball uh, in regular season. You know, they, they, they're they more serious about defense than most teams are this, this time of the year. And my worry about the Knicks is that they don't, you know, the playoff um, – is a sort of different brand of basketball, you know, however you want to define it there, you know, it's more serious, 
you know, it, it's more of a do or die situation. I'm not sure that the Knicks, the past couple of times they're in the playoffs, could make that that sort of energy leap from regular season basketball to playoff basketball. Uh, I wonder, what is your take on that? Yeah, you know what, Peter, it's a great point. And um, it's oftentimes, I don't know, fairly or unfairly kind of lassoed around Tibbs is he works those guys so hard in the regular right. season. You know, he plays like seven guys a night, you know, sometimes maybe an eighth guy. And then you get to these playoff series. And I mean, I thought they could have beaten Miami last year, but I think we all thought, you know, Miami was, you know, kind of dead on arrival and somehow made a run to the NBA finals. Um, I, you know, I have new renewed hope because I, I think they have, you know, they, they've made strides in, in the areas where, you know, they suffered last year. I think, you know, we all wondered, you know, what was going on with the defense. Now they seem to have addressed it. Uh, Brunson's a different player. I mean, he's the kind of guy that, you know, like right now, if, if the season was over, the Knicks weren't getting those kind of free agents, but it's right. a special story because his dad's an assistant coach there. And maybe that all was, uh, you know, clearly the reason that he went there. So I think I was, I remember I was in Atlanta getting ready to call the peach bowl and my phone buzzed and it had the trade, the OG Ananobi trade. And I had Knicks fans with me who work with me and they were really crestfallen that they gave up on RJ Barrett. And I'm like, I don't know. I could be wrong about this. This was at the time. And I said, I think he's going to transform that defense. He's going to make them, you know, side to side. It's going to make them so much tougher to score against. And, and it looks like he's had a contain, a contagious, contagious, if I could say it correctly, um, defensive attitude that has kind of permeated that locker room. And it makes up for a lot of offensive uh, ugliness when you could play that kind of D. And we know in the playoffs, when you start bogging down into seven-game series, you know, that's what's most important. So are they a perfect team? No. Um, can they get a piece? Yes. I mean, they have the draft capital that a lot of teams don't. Um, you know, I don't know in which direction they go, uh, but I would have to imagine they're going to, you know, look to shore it up, especially – you know, not knowing what's going to happen with Julius Randle. So I, as a kid who grew up a Knicks fan, I don't seem to have any fandom anymore. <laughs> I, I do believe that I have, outside of Boston, um, I have a lot of confidence in the Knicks. I really do, for some weird reason. I don't know why. It's only midseason. I shouldn't jump on teams that are hot at midseason because they go cold in a hurry. But I kind of like how they're setting up. Excuse me, when do you take raised hands? Anytime. Okay, we do have a hand raise. Can I get okay, who is right it? Um, area code. Yeah, go, go ahead, Michael. Michael, go ahead, then we'll take Mitch. Go ahead, Michael. Okay. Let, let me get a question in right quick. Uh, yes. Uh, uh, Mark, we, we are, we're coming up on the uh, uh, trade deadline. And have you heard any good rumors out there? I, I know... Uh, uh, we're we're contemplating getting rid of one of our good young players, Jalen Green, here in in Houston. But but there are are there any other big rumors out there? Yeah, you know, one of the rumors that came off the table this weekend, I guess, was Zach Levine in Chicago. Um, you know, the Bulls might be ready to get rid of some pieces there. Obviously, Levine now with his surgery won't be one of them. Uh, Bruce Brown up in Toronto, who was kind of you know a huge six man for Denver last year. Again, not a huge name, but a, a good piece or part. 
you know, I I would look for him to be on the move somewhere. Somebody's going to want him. Um, boy, there's so many names out there when I, uh, you know, I just, I have Woj on my Twitter, like just updating every five seconds to see. Can I you know, give where... you a name? Yeah, go ahead. Kelly Olinick. Kelly Olinick, you're right. He's out still, of Utah. Still kicking around in the league and always seems to end up on a team that's competing. You know what's interesting too, and I don't really pay attention to contracts and the first apron, the luxury tax and the second apron, but like when Kevin Love came to Miami last year as a buyout, there are teams now that will not be able to get these big buyout guys because they are in tax jeopardy. So I'm also trying, not only am I trying to keep up with who might be available, but which teams, you know, can actually sign once we get to the buyout market after the trade deadline. I don't know if there's going to be any blockbusters like we saw with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. I'm sure there's some big names out there and I'm just blanking on them at the moment. But I think, you know, when you talk to GMs, they're looking at these pieces like who who's like the fourth option Who's a bench option? You know, who makes us better in that direction, especially for the teams that are in position? Um, and then, you know, the Lakers are fascinating to me because they really have nothing to trade. And they traded a first rounder last year. And I think they have one more first rounder they're allowed to trade. It's for 2029. I mean, they could leave themselves without a first rounder for the rest of the decade. Um, but they're going to play for now. So, uh, you know, it's all very fascinating. And Oklahoma City and Minnesota – get no love at all, and they're one, two in the West. They both have tremendous upside, too, both teams. They do, and Oklahoma City has, like, 85 picks. I mean, literally, they might have, you know, 25 or 30. Sam Presti's been collecting picks. Like, this would be the time where he could package some young guys, package some picks, and, like, get a star in there. But I, I'm not sure that he will because they're so young. But, uh, yeah, trade deadline's going to be active like it was last year. It's uh, I remember working on the Tuesday of – trade deadline last year and I had to change my charts around because so many guys were missing and so many guys were coming. Mitch. Okay. Mitchell, I think your hand is raised. I Was did. Good afternoon. Hey, Mitch. Hey, Mitch. Let me make a quick comment about uh, about the Lakers. Um, they are the most inconsistent team in the entire NBA. Yes. And uh, – you know, they win a mean-nothing tournament back in December. I was going to say, after that, they lose. I, I was going to tease uh, you, Mitch. I was going to say, you mean that banner means nothing? <laughs> no, it means it means nothing. <laughs> oh, by the way, before I, I go, and, and I want to ask Mark a couple questions, but uh, uh, for, for your reference, Peter, we're having Oregon weather. Uh, it has rained here in uh, Los Angeles 24 straight hours. Yeah, I've I've I've, I've seen your forecast, and it's uh, that it's never happens here. Yeah, uh, and and we're glad we live up on the uh, on the fifth floor. Uh, I have no idea uh, how how much of a lake we have downstairs, but I wanted to ask Mark a couple of questions that are totally unrelated to to pro sports because I heard two very interesting stories this morning about college sports. The first one was that the Big Ten and the SEC are supposed to be having a discussion or discussions about, quote unquote, a super conference. And the second, the second item was some remarks by Rick Pitino that 
the NCAA ought to do away with its compliance department because it can't control NIL, um, which we all know. But I, I'm, I'm curious as to what you're hearing about, uh, uh, first, certainly the super conference, whatever that means. They're already with uh, USC and Washington, and, and I'm a Trojan alum, so you know I live and breathe USC college basketball and, and especially football, but I'm, I'm interested in your, in what you may know about this, uh, this super conference and then anything you might want to say about Patino. Well, uh, first of all, I'm glad you're on the fifth floor and hopefully yeah. uh, the rain is <laughs> going to stop. I was in Los Angeles for the, uh, whatever that was called, the earthquake, uh, hurricane, uh, yeah. in August. um, so indeed. And, uh, and that didn't turn out to be too bad where I was in downtown. No. So hopefully you guys no. are, are okay. We had, um, we did a lot of pack 12 this year for college football, which was, you know, kind of sad to see it all coming to a close, but I think direct to your direct question. I mean, we're, we're almost to the super conference mode already. And I, the only th- I, you know, I didn't hear anything specific about today, but I did read over the weekend that the two conferences were forming some kind of advisory group because um, they're trying to work out, you know, right now we have a have and have not situation in college football. If you're a USC fan, it's good because you're in the Big Ten, yep. you're on the good side of it. Um, yep. But it's just, it's so imbalanced. Um, the Patino thing kind of fits in here too because, uh, you know, the NCAA is basically antiquated now. I mean, you've got these this giant behemoth you know of two conferences and that's not including the ACC or the Big 12 that are you know going to dominate you know this new era of college football and so I think you know there's got to be guardrails somewhere because even if you're on the good side of the super conferences and you're the ones who can offer the most money in name image and likeness which is not really NIL anymore now it's basically free agency you know you're you're profiting yep. more than just on your name. Um, they've got to figure out the guardrails because it's been wild, wild west, and it is wild, wild west until they get some guardrails. I, you know, I talked to a lot of the guys on the have not side of it, and even if they are fortunate enough, you know, to get three star athletes, it's becoming a minor league yeah. because you're going to have them for a year or two, and then the big schools are going to pick them off with all the money they have. So I think. To me, I think that's where a lot of this talk is right now with the universities amongst themselves and even coaches, because it's going to drive a lot of coaches out of college and and into the pros. We just saw, you know, um, a head coach, uh, you know, become a coordinator in the NFL, which is not a bad jump. That would probably be a jump most would take. But the theory being that a lot of coaches are fed up with not only am I losing players, but I got to re-recruit my own players and you know, I've got to deal with guys now that are coming in with seven-figure bank accounts. You know, it's a it's a whole different school of thought. So I think it's a long way to say it was more of an advisory committee thing. But I think you're right. Um, you know, the the big big conferences, the Big Ten and the SEC. You know, they've got the lion's share now of the pie, and I think they're just trying to figure out amongst themselves of you know how to not only maximize, but, you know, watch out some of the unintended consequences of, you know, we don't even know yet of, of what this is going to bring. I mean, we all say, well, you know, whoever's number five, Florida state last year, you know, they got job. That'll be a 
discussion for another point. We're going to have 12 teams. We've solved it. I don't know. We're going to have arguments on 13 and 14. And worse, we're going to have arguments that six of the 12 are from the SEC and four more from the Big Ten. And we'll be arguing that too many of these big conferences are getting too many of the 12 bids. So uh, I'm I'm assuming that's what uh, some of the discussion's about. Yeah, and as as much as much as as you know, I this is this is helping schools like USC. Um, it's destroying it's it's destroying college football and basketball, and it it makes me very sad. I I go back to the uh, well, I was at I was at USC when John McKay was coaching. That shows how long I've been involved in this, and it's. And and what's happening to to college sports right now? It's it's going to destroy it. They might as well. Uh, each of the, uh, the NFL teams, way back, and I want to say it was in the '60s, and and maybe even as far forward as the '70s. Um, and uh, I think it was uh, yeah, it was NBA teams, not NFL teams. NBA teams had territorial rights, meaning that that they had first dibs on certain players, on players attending within a certain geographic area. You know, just for argument's sake, the Lakers might have dibs on uh, USC and UCLA players, et cetera, et cetera. And, and we're almost to the point, to me, where, where these, the pro teams, the pro football and basketball, they might as well just, assign schools uh, to each of those pro teams because college football and basketball are becoming the minor league. They've always been the minor league of, of, of pros, but now it's, it's even more so. And, and this, as you call it, free agency, and you're right, um, I, th- I think it's ruining, uh, I think it's ruining uh, football and basketball in, in, uh, at the college level. No, it's right. I mean, a couple of things came to mind while you were talking, and one of them certainly was the death of a conference that has so much history. And I know, you know, we're all of a certain age where it's so offensive, you know, to see what's going on and what will be next year. You know, when USC, I don't have the schedules in front of me, but I know Washington's playing Michigan in October in a regular season game. That just doesn't feel right. Yeah. I know we'll get we'll all get used to it in a few years, but um, you know, to lose. The history, um, you know, just teams that are playing within somewhat within their own region. I mean, we're not going to have that anymore. We're going to have ACC games, you know, with Stanford and Clemson, you know, and, and that, that doesn't even speak to the non-revenue producing sports. I mean, football is one thing, and it also lends to, okay, you can travel out on a Thursday night or a Friday morning and play a Saturday game. But, you know, what are what's the field hockey team supposed to do? And even the basketball team, you know, which is in the men's side and now increasingly on the women's side, revenue generators. But it's not fair to the quote-unquote student-athletes, you know, who are, you know, getting back on a plane at four in the morning and supposed to be in class, you know, in five hours. So it's it's just a big, big mess. I think there's going to be at some point it has to come back. I mean, I know this could be forever that we're set into this, but at some point we're going to realize, like you said, this is a true minor league from a football perspective, but why does it have to affect everything else and all the other sports? I think that's another big topic that is being talked about, you know, with athletic directors across the country is, you know, maybe the other sports don't adhere 
to all these conferences and they're more in regional conferences because it's going to be the complete death of college sports. And it's uh, it's unfortunate because, you know, we've all grown up watching certain things. And I know we don't want change and some change is good change, but I don't know if any of this change is good change. I really don't. Mark and well, guys, just, there's... Just for, your, just for your information, USC plays both Washington and Michigan next season. And, and you know, you... you talk about college basketball as it is <clears throat> USC and all of the Pac-12 play usually Thursday, Saturday, some Wednesday, Sunday games. And I'm wondering when the West Coast teams uh, go back to play in the uh, play Midwest, uh, will, the, will the kids ever be in class? Yeah, yeah I know. Uh, I know that's uh, the one thing you don't hear anymore amongst all this discussion with money and conference change. Nobody talks about academics at all. That's no. the scary part. Nobody no. talks about academics at all. Uh, Don? No, right now, right now, there's a woman in Los Angeles. Mark, you've heard the name. I don't know who else has, but her name is Juju Watkins. I mentioned yeah. her the day yeah. she made her debut. She scored 32 points. The other night against Stanford, she scored 51 points. And... <laughs> That game, unfortunately, is not available anywhere. I'd love to watch that on demand and hear that again. But she's going to, if they, depending where USC goes and depending whether she wants to stay with USC or wants to do the transfer portal thing, she could get a whole lot more exposure in another conference than she's going to get in the former Pac-12. Yeah, By the no. way, Don, uh, she just and UCLA is higher ranked, but uh, we just beat UCLA uh, last. Uh, I think last week or the weekend before last. And Stanford and, uh, absolutely she was interviewed. UCLA, they they uh, just they they were a shell of what I saw when UCLA beat UConn. They they looked like nothing like themselves yesterday when Stanford beat them. Yeah, she was interviewed uh, halftime of the USC Oregon State game, which we finally won. Uh, and she sounds like a, a, a very down to earth, uh, sharp young lady. But she probably will go to the WNBA after this year. She really doesn't need another year of college, at least by today's standards. Is she allowed to? I don't even know if you have to play X amount of years or not. I should know that. I, oh. I think it's the same for women's basketball as it is for men's i think just one i wasn't sure if they had to go three years no I, i'm, they might have I'm not them. i'm not a you know i don't follow women's basketball college basketball not certainly as closely as don does but but i think she they're under the same uh the same uh i think uh, it's setup, three years i could I, be wrong i is i it? hope i hope to god it's three years because <laughs> this this I, woman I, could be I, the I, next candace parker I used to work WNBA games a decade ago, and I remember you had to be like at least 22 the year of the draft and have no more eligibility. They may have repealed that down at least a year, and maybe it is you can be one and done. Uh, but I remember that was it always felt like it wasn't fair, you know, to uh, to the the female athletes. Um, but so many are staying now. I mean, I, I can't wait to see what happens um, uh, with Caitlin Clark at Iowa, who. You know, this is her fourth year, so she has a COVID year left or go to the WNBA where she'd be the number one pick 
or stay in college and theoretically make, I don't even know what, what she's making. She should be making millions uh, in NIL because they're packing houses. They just packed out Maryland to see yep. Iowa over the weekend. So uh, it's a fascinating time for uh, for women's basketball. I think their ratings might be even higher than the men's ratings this year, if I'm not mistaken. Well, certainly with USC, it could be. By the way, Don, where I come from, uh, Juju Watkins uh, is going to be the next Lisa Leslie or Cheryl Miller. <laughs> Good point. There you go. Well, that uh, Mitch, goes back you... even further than Candace Parker does. Uh, Mitch, yes, before, yes, before you go, before you go, Mitch, you did make reference earlier to the in-season tournament in the NBA. I just want to let everybody know that I got word that Gary Beckman, the commissioner of hockey, is going to start doing the same thing in 2026. It, it was. I, I know it gets poo-pooed for me personally. Me too. We, we did the semifinals and the championships. I appreciated early season games that quote-unquote meant something a little more. Now, I was shocked. I even said on the air, like, well, if there's one team that won't put up a banner, it's the Los Angeles Lakers. Well, I was wrong, obviously. <laughs> but but I did I did like I like the theory of early season games, especially the NBA, where no one pays attention till Christmas because of football, that we had Tuesday nights and Friday nights, that once everybody figured out what was going on here, it did you know, we weren't adding games. These were regular season games that meant quote unquote oh. a little more. And I'm also um gonna say I got a free trip to Las Vegas. I was gonna know. say the Vegas games were not on the schedule. <laughs> that, were that might have been the overriding the, reason why I really like the uh, in season tournament. The, but the Vegas games were not on the schedule, weren't they? They were added. They were yeah, they knew that, you know, there was gonna be three games there, semis and finals, but the the downside was the other teams had to wait for schedules to be added once they were eliminated. That was the hardest thing was, all right, where are we going to be? Where do we go? You know, every, you know, these pro sports teams like to have all that planned out before the season even starts. So that was, you know, that was an adjustment. But I could see where the NHL would see that idea and say, okay, ratings were up. We like that. Um, I, I think, what was the other part of it uh, that I liked bef uh, besides even the fact that it brought a little more attention early season? It just kind of flew out of my head, unfortunately. But um, you know, I, I was okay with trying it. It was a little bit different. And I think, uh, Adam Silver was, uh, you know, happy. It's certainly not going away. I know what the thought was when we were in Vegas, we interviewed Rick Carlisle, the head coach of Indiana, who's also, uh, um, you know, uh, vice president of the coaches committee, whatever. And he said to us on air, this was a billion dollar idea. And I'm like, what is he talking about? But the media rights are up for the NBA. And so I think the ratings were so good that he felt like whoever's bidding from a television standpoint, whether it be ESPN, ABC, NBC wants to get in, Turner's already in, uh, I'm sure Fox would like to get in, that they feel, okay, now we even have something extra that's interesting that'll raise uh, the television revenue ratings. Mm -hmm. Thank I you very was, much, I Mitch. wish there was a, a Yep, you guys take care, and I'll, uh, I'll be listening in for the rest of the show. Thanks, Thank Mitch. You. Yeah, Go ahead, I, Peter. I wish, I wish there was a way of make of of giving the winner of the if we're going to have these tournaments. Uh, I wish there was a way of uh, making them more valuable for the you know for for the regular season uh, rather than just having a sort of a tournament. You know that the winner gets to post a banner, which nobody takes seriously. You know, I mean, wouldn't it be um, you know in hockey you get two points for a win, right? So supposing. 
I'm making this up, that the winner got an additional 10 points and the second place winner got, you know, six points and the third and fourth place got an additional four points. I mean, that that would be something really valuable. And I, 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 I would, you know, I don't know what the answer is for basketball because I don't have points. But I but I think some something more than bragging rights would, would make the tournament more relevant. I, this could be dangerous, but and I've heard someone else say this before. But maybe if you guaranteed them a spot in the playoffs, whether it be in the play-in seven through ten, um, I don't know how that works competitively. It's dangerous because that wouldn't maybe, be fair to who you bump off. Yeah, maybe well, maybe, maybe Pistons, not. You know, got hot early in the season, had eight injuries. And, you know, probably would have fell out of the playoffs and now somebody's out. But, you know, I don't know. The play in is a one is kind of a one and done, at least in the nine ten level. Um, so I don't know. But I think that would be something where, you know, you're like, OK, a million dollars. Was it a million a man? It was a half million dollars a person. The guys on the end of the bench. That was a big deal. The guys sure. on the front end of the bench. That was like, you know, changing their cushions of the couch. But it was at least it was something interesting because uh, there was one guy I heard, I didn't read this anywhere, somebody told me we were walking out of Vegas and one of the youngest players on the team was heard asking LeBron or Anthony Davis, hey, when do I get my 500000 Like, do they Venmo that, that tonight? You know, that kind of thing. They were very excited to get the half million a man. Mark, I, want to back, I want to go back to the Lakers for a second because we talked about the Knicks being a regular season team and not really a playoff team, you know, that, we, that, that, that they might not have the the wherewithal to make that energy lead to the playoffs. The Lakers strike me as the absolute reverse. You know, they're sort of, they sort of stumble through the regular season. They win here and there. They lose the games they shouldn't lose. And when it comes to the playoffs last year, you know, they, they made it to the finals. And I wonder if the Lakers are sort of the opposite of the Knicks, the antithesis of the Knicks where they, yeah. You know, they don't do well for this regular season, but they seem to get the, uh, do enough to get into the playoffs and do pretty well. I like your your thinking, Peter. I think the absolute antithesis of the Knicks are the Miami Heat because I that's think true too. They, they will just example. they will turn. I think the Lakers need they need something. I don't know what it is. We saw it, we saw it, but you pointed it out. They're the ultimate Jekyll and Hyde team. So I don't know if I believe anything I saw the last two games with the wins in Boston and New York. They need they may need to you know, go out and uh, not certainly not shuffle the deck because they can't, but maybe make a roster alteration. Uh, but yeah, I would definitely say the Lakers and the Miami Heat are my two leaders in the clubhouse for just let us know when we got about 20 games left, we'll get in position and then we'll make this run, you know, deep into the playoffs. Oh, no, all right. Thank you about, about the Heat. I'd forgotten about that, but you're right. They're, they're another, another great example. And especially with injuries and so on and so forth, I, you know, I, I complain about this all the time on the show that the regular season, especially for uh, basketball and hockey, is almost irrelevant. I mean, I'm exaggerating a little bit to make a point, you know, I mean, and especially in hockey, I, you know, we're not talking about hockey in great detail here, but, you know, the, the hockey is, is it's almost another planet sports wise when you it get is. into the playoffs. You're right. How many number one seeds don't even make it out of the first round and certainly don't make it to the Stanley especially Cup? Especially hockey. Yeah, hockey for sure. That's They're the unpredictable. One. Yep, you have look, no idea. You're right. It's a look at the Bruins game. last year. They set a record for the most wins in NHL history, and they lost in the first round to the yeah. Panthers. Yeah, I know. And and basketball, just by its nature of five players on the floor at a time, and you could have, you know, you could have LeBron and AD in their prime, maybe not now, and you know you're going to dominate. You know, Jordan and Pippen, you knew. 
didn't matter what you have. You know, you had those two guys, especially at the end of games. And, you know, they can't be said in any other sport, you know, baseball, probably the least because you need good pitching. Otherwise, you know, the same position players are out there. Your guy goes two thirds of an inning and you lose 20 to nothing. You know, it's, it's just, it's a completely different game day by day. And basketball is that one game where it's like, all right, we got two stars. You know, we could win 60 games and do something. But you're right. Hockey's the one where, uh, you know, great. You get to put up a President's Cup uh, banner, but you may not even make it to the second round. Danette, mm-hmm. do we have any hands raised? Oh, we got a Super Bowl to talk about, folks. We got, we a, got Super a Super Bowl? Bowl? Yeah. Before we do that, I wanted to go back to, to if you don't mind, Bob, I want to go back to um, college college sports because I essentially agree, you know, that the, the whole college situation is 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 really sad. I mean, it, it you know it 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 seems to be sort of imploding on itself or whatever. But my question is, who's going to oversee it? I mean, you know, listening, you know, I've been listening to sports talk radio since it started in the '80s, and one of the you know constant uh, sources of derision is the NCAA leadership, who seem to be behind the curve. And I don't know who. I mean, I don't. I, I don't know who who would be who would be the the sheriff in town to put those guardrails up. Yeah, we got to find somebody, but I don't think it's the NCAA. Congress, Congress, Congress maybe. <laughs> yeah, I don't trust <laughs> Congress anymore, unfortunately. But no, it's true. Yeah. I, I, I yeah. But, but, but yes, I, I think um, uh, you know Nick Saban. I don't know if he'd want to do it, but uh, he'd he'd be a, a good guy out there. Um, you know, you'd want someone dynamic who's also you know touched in the business world. Um, I liked what Chip Kelly had to say when he was getting all passionate, um, you know, a month ago, but you know, that's, uh, I like the, uh, you know, even uh, who did we have? We had uh, a bunch of old Miss games. So, uh, Lane Kiffin, who, you know, he's not going to be a, a candidate to be the, the czar of college sports by any stretch, but I did like off the record when we were you know, talking with him before games, he was very passionate about all the problems that we have. And it's not like there are problems that can't be solved without a little bit of common sense. I mean, there's just, there's just zero right now. Um, So yeah, I don't know who's that, that business guy, that Peter Uberoth, you know, type guy who's gonna, you know, jump into the sports field and, and get it going. But uh, they should find somebody because you're right. The NCAA is, basically irrelevant i thought maybe was it charlie baker the governor the ex-governor of massachusetts and you know i, I thought maybe he would add something but i haven't even really noticed you know if anything me uh, neither yeah has well next statement would be it would be fabulous if he would do it because he's so well respected that i think yeah. you know he'd be able to pull it off but i i i agree yeah, that we need to have guardrails i just don't know who's going to be the sheriff but, yeah. but i think nick nick saban he, I don't think he likes the, the the setup, and I think he would probably try to dismantle it or reorganize it so that that there's some you know a, a level playing field for all the, all the schools. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it it works. I know right now, you know, with all this reorganization, and there was a lot of forethought into. There can be, I haven't even counted the number yet of the haves versus the have-nots. I don't know what it is. 50 teams, you know, that are, you know, primed and positioned to benefit the most from this new setup. Uh, so, you know, they would like to have the rules tilted in their area. But I do think the Nick Sabans of the world, uh, you know, who have been in college athletics for 30, for 40, approaching 50 years, that they realize 
you know, it's great because of all of it, you know, whether it's all of the FCS or the old, you know, one double A, you know, it's not about how much money this guy's making or about which players are already developed from other teams that we can now pick off or how many five stars we now have to try to re-recruit on our own team because they're upset that they're not playing. You know, it's we've we've yeah. overcompensated so far to the other side yeah. that it has to swing back. And you're right, there's got to be somebody who can kind of level-headedly uh, get into that room of bigwigs and hopefully get them all swimming in the same direction because that's a whole other story. Danette, do we have any hands raised? We have no. about we have twelve minutes, and I do. Yes. we're almost done, and we haven't talked about the Super Bowl. Mike, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. It, it's Sunday night, the Super Bowl. Uh, one quick comment: I said, my school rate for the, for the last maybe four, five, six years has raised more revenue than any any school in the NCAA, and it hasn't helped us buy enough players. So money m must not be everything. <laughs> Is that Houston? Uh, um... No, University of Texas. Oh, Texas. Well, you know, they, they made the they made the football playoffs and, you know, they almost they could have beaten Washington. Um, maybe, you know, I, I, I'm playing devil's advocate with you, but but, you know, their basketball team. I don't know how good their men's basketball team is. I've been following. OK, them. Chiefs, 49ers or Taylor. Who's going <laughs> to win? <laughs> oh, who gets to be first? <laughs> what do you say, Michael? That was Chiefs. Chiefs. I'm going with 49ers. How about you, Peter? I, I I've been I've been going back and forth on this game for a while. Uh, um, I, I if if it were earlier in the season, it would, it would be definitely the 49ers, right? They're they're the they're the best balanced team in in the league. I but their defense has sort of fall not fallen apart, but has has dropped back a couple of steps over the past six weeks or so. And Kansas City does have a decent running game. And I think if Kansas City can control the ball, um, I think they have a really good shot of winning. Kansas City has been playing oh. very good defense. That's yeah. true, too. Thank you, Michael. Yeah. yeah. What do you say, Don? Well, I'm not really even a football guy, so oh, okay. I'm <laughs> going for the 49ers, though, definitely. All right. You know, I've had, had, you know, we've had our fill of Kansas City. They've won a couple of Super Bowls now. Now it's time for somebody else to do it. Somebody's already comparing Patrick Mahomes to uh, Tom Brady. I can't believe it, but they are. That's madness. Because Brady was a complete nobody from nowhere. You can't. But I'll, I'll tell you. I'll, I'll, I'm sorry, Don. I didn't mean to interrupt you. But a good comparison that I heard yesterday. And this is something to really ponder. There are a lot of comparisons, and whoever said this is absolutely correct. There are a lot of comparisons between Tom Brady and Michael Jordan. If you recall, Jordan won championships, left basketball. Now, Brady didn't leave football, but there was a lull in the middle of his career. And then he got resurrected. Both of them got resurrected and won more championships toward the end of their careers. So I see a parallel, too, between Brady and Jordan. Mark, what are your thoughts about the Super Bowl? I, uh, I, thought, I didn't think Kansas City was going to win the AFC championship game. I didn't either. So, so naturally I would say 49ers, but I am a little worried about their defensive slip and Patrick Mahomes does not lose playoff games apparently. So um, I might have to lean Kansas city. I hate to do it. I thought Taylor Swift took all the winning <laughs> last night at the Grammys. They took all the wins Kansas city could get. 
Uh, so yeah, I'm riding that fence. I think I'm probably going to go Chiefs. All right. Well, and, and the other thing about San Francisco, and people keep pointing this out, that they, their coach was part of that Atlanta uh, debacle against the Patriots right. and was, uh, you know, had a chance to beat the, the the Chiefs, was it three or four years ago, and, you know, couldn't do that either. Um, you know, there are some coaches that, you know, can't seem to win the really, really, really big game, and we know that the Chiefs coach can because he's done it. Can't compare so, – uh Brady and Purdy, but I do like the fact that the last guy taken in the last round, uh, you know, and we had a bunch of Brock Purdy games at Iowa State, and uh, never, ever, ever in a million years. He's a great college quarterback, but didn't think, you know, here he is leading a, a team to the Super Bowl, and I love Christian McCaffrey. I mean, he's just old school football player, so there's a lot to like and root for, and I'll be in San Francisco Saturday night for NBA uh, so looking forward to uh, maybe getting a little bit of taste of what the 49ers fans are thinking uh, the night before the Super Bowl. Talk about San Francisco. Talk about the 49ers. I mean, not the 49ers, excuse me, the, the Golden State Warriors. I assume you're, that's where you're headed uh, on Saturday to play to, to some where they're playing. Uh, that's one of the sad parts, I think, of, of the NBA this year. They, they simply do not have the, you know, what they used to have. Yeah, they're going to play Phoenix. Oh, Phoenix, uh, okay. Saturday night, so we'll have a lot of stars on the floor with uh, Kevin Durant Chris, and yeah, Chris Jeff Paul, Curry. Yeah. Bradley Beal's playing well now, and Devin Booker's a great story. But yeah, Clay Thompson, I love Clay Thompson. He's you know not going to ever be the same player he was before you know the injury is you know well as they played winning that championship a couple of years ago. Draymond Green thing certainly threw everybody uh, for a loop. Um, Chris Paul got hurt. You know, he'd kind of, uh, you know, gotten into the whole swing of what they do with the Warriors. I mean, the positive aspect is all these younger players who really haven't hit. They're, they're finally starting to get this. Jonathan Kaminga is playing well. But, you know, what is it good for? Is it good to win a championship? Because that's really all, you know, when you're paying, what is it, three, $400 million in luxury tax? You know, it's about championships. It's not about, you know, getting into the play-in game and hoping to, to make a move. And it's sad because... Steph Curry's on, you know, the back nine of his career, and he's still all-star caliber and still the best shooter in the league, and you'd hate to see the waste of this late prime. Uh, but they've had a big window. I mean, they've, they've been champion, championship caliber since 14 or 15, so we're coming up on a full decade here. Um, and there's still a lot of fun to watch, but it just hasn't been, you know, outside of 22 when they won the title and everything seemed to fall in their direction – it's uh, either injuries or self-inflicted in the case of Draymond Green, um, you know, that has uh, kept them from greatness again. And, and this year it's it's looking bleak. I hope uh, they give us a good show on Saturday. They usually do in prime time. So um, so we'll see. But from a season perspective, you know, it's just disappointing because they're really good guys, too. I love Steve Kerr. I love Steph Curry. Um, the guys who run the public relations are the best in the entire league. It's a really cool new building. It's one of the great cities in America. Uh, but they've certainly had their share of success. So there's a lot of fans that aren't feeling bad about the Warriors. Well, and I, and I guess um, you know the the I guess the the um, ray of sunshine, as it were, it, is that it's it's a long regular season. You know, the 49ers, uh, the uh, Warriors might turn around and 
make it into the you know seventh seed or the sixth seed and find a way. Because the thing about the the NBA West is that you got Minnesota and uh, Oklahoma City who are very very young and not particularly playoff experienced, and that's never you know playoff experience usually rules the universe when it comes to this kind of thing. So you know you, I could see a team like Golden State if they get their act together, they might go somewhere in the playoffs. I don't it's think it's totally impossible. It's interesting you say that on two perspectives. One, we could have Lakers-Warriors meet up in the play-in in a winner-take-all, which actually happened the first year of the play-in, but that would be interesting. And two is seeding. You know, you always be careful what you wish for, like, hey, where's Oklahoma City? Where's Minnesota? We want to make sure that we see them in the first round and not the Clippers and not right. the Nuggets and not the Kings. But it's a great point because – you look across those rosters and there's, you know, a couple guys on Minnesota that, you know, played in first round, but certainly never, you know, went to championship. And Oklahoma City is extremely young, as good as Shea Gilgis Alexander is, and he's MVP uh, worthy. Um, they haven't done it yet. So that's fascinating to me in the West is as good as the West is, has been this year, you know, one through eight. Um there's two teams that have a lot to prove and you do not want to play the Clippers in the first round. You don't want to play the Nuggets in the first round. You may not want to play the Kings or the Suns either. So uh, interested to see how teams kind of set up and keep an eye on the standings as we, you know, get into late March and early April. The problem with the Clippers and uh, Michael, uh, uh, one of his favorite players uh, is on the Clippers, Harden. (laughs) Yeah, right. he, He tends to, you know, screw things up in the playoffs. So the Clippers, I, you know, I don't know what to make of the Clippers. Them. The only, I agree with that point because Harden is confounding. Um, but Kawhi Leonard's actually played this year, which is yeah, shocking. We haven't done any Clipper games on radio. We, we, we see plenty of them on TV and I'm astounded at the minutes he's playing at the amount of games he's playing. Now, if he could stay healthy and I'm not a big Paul George fan either. So of the, of their big three, Kawhi is the one guy that I, I really like. Oh, Westbrook. Yeah, Russell Westbrook. But they're all playing well right now. I mean, they've had a great stretch for two months, um, you know, enough to the point where it gives you some pause that that's a team you want to stay away from. But I would also, you know, they haven't, they haven't done it lately. So they, they have a ton to prove. So that, that's the point I wanted to make about the Warriors, the Lakers, the Clippers, and 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 Phoenix, that their stars are 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 really getting on up in age, and many of them are injury prone, and so when you get to the 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 play in and the playoffs, you know, are we really going to see uh, good basketball out of out of whoever emerges from the West? Because I think the I think the East, those rosters are a little bit younger, and their their stars are a little bit younger. Yeah, I hope everyone stays healthy for uh, from our standpoint, for those who get to document the games, but it's a great point. Depth, I, I have lots Excuse of me? questions with Three Denver. minutes? Depth. Um, Thank you, Danette. Zach, you know, Fe- Actually, Phoenix Bob, and Denver are two teams that I'm really concerned about their depth if they ever had any, uh, any kind of injury. But, uh, you know, great points. Great points all and around. And there's talk of trading their backup center. Who? Which team? Den- De- Denver. Oh, Denver. Yeah. 
That's true. I mean, they they need help. I mean, they had a great sixth and seventh man last year. And, uh, you know, Jeff Green and Bruce Brown lost them both and left with a lot of youth. They've looked good at times. But, you know, when you're getting deep into the playoffs, they're going to have to grow up real quick. Excuse me, Bob. I know we got started late, but we got another call after this one. and We do need to clear the stream as soon as possible. All right. we'll, We'll squeeze them in for one minute, whoever it is. I don't, I don't think it was a hand raise. It's just we, we need to wrap up. Is that what, is that what yeah. you're saying? Oh, right. oh, oh okay. Right. I thought there right. was a hand raise. Mm-hmm. Here's another okay. show. So my, my last comment has to do with the with the East. Is really the only team in the East that I think it's far out classes everybody else is the Celtics. Uh, you know, uh, especially with oh, uh, Embiid exactly. going down. I, I would think this is the year that it, it, the Celtics have it, assuming they stay healthy and all that stuff. I think they're 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 the team to beat in the East. Yep. Yeah, if there and, was a year, uh, this was it. I saw them play great hoops last week, two weeks ago. You just want them to play it at the right time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's get that playoff we, started already. Yeah, <laughs> we uh, we yeah. need to wrap it up. So I I do want to say time is up. Regrettably, it was a great show, Mark. We love having you on the show. Come back again soon. We'd love to have you. You're very informative. And uh, we'll see how everything pans out in the NBA. See who wins the Super Bowl. Then baseball's coming up. we got a lot to talk about, like we always do. Thanks, guys. Don, Michael, Peter. Thank you, Brad. Thank you, Jeanette. Thanks, Mitch, everybody else. I'm Bob Branco. Go safe with God's abundant blessings. Have a great week, everybody.